7 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast. We're a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm one of host Nick. I'm joined again by the mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard, returning from Detroit this weekend. Pat, how you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I had a nice trip out in Detroit this weekend watching our boys in gray beat up on the ferocious Detroit Tigers, who, you know, are a feisty bunch. Uh, a lot of players, I can't, I don't know their names, but, you know, I don't think their 109 losses really sum up how tough they And I, uh, don't quote me on that, but that's what I'm going to take away. Yeah, and don't let the... Uh... I think his name is Nico Goodrum. Here you talk ill of that team. No, or Ron Ga- Gardenhire. He strikes me of a oh, too. of a Ned Yost type. I do like Ron Gardenhire though, because he said, and I quote, "You're fast as shit." When I was running behind home plate one time, so much love. Yeah, that's, a, that's probably um, as big of big of a compliment as you can get in your. True. I thought I was going to get the September call up for them, but not to be. Yeah. Maybe next year. In any case, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, in any case. Episode 27, Notable Cubs to wear that position, or to wear that number. Uh, not my manager, Joe Girardi, wore that number. Uh, Taylor Teagarden, former LinkedIn player profile, as well as Super former LinkedIn player profile. Addison Russell for the 2016 Cubs, and uh, the first player to wear it, Bobo Newsom, of course, in the 30s. It's a good name. I got one uh, that I think can rival yours. Uh, 1931, the guy that wore uh, number 27 for the White Sox was Lou Blue. Uh, no relation to Luis Robert, but uh, similar name there. Uh, Carl Everett, a, another former LinkedIn player profile athlete in 03. Uh, Jeff Blum, a World Series hero uh, in 05. And currently Lucas Giolito. So uh, a couple notable number 27s. Carl Everett, that name rings a bell. What, what doesn't he believe in again? Let's uh, remind the folks at home. Uh, that would be the popular reptiles uh, known as dinosaurs. Uh, they are alleged. They allegedly roamed the Earth millions of years ago. But as we discussed on that episode, uh, I'm not convinced after listening to Carl's argument. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's got some good points. All right, <laughs> moving on from that, because you know how what, what kind of wormhole we can get with that. Uh, we're gonna do the weekly recaps, and uh, Pat, you are gonna go first this time. I hear you're uh, you're switching things up a little bit spice up this uh, penultimate episode, if you will. So yeah, you know, I'm feeling good coming back from Detroit today, so I was thinking, what can I do a little bit differently to keep this positive vibe? And, you know, this week was okay. We went 3-3, and uh, but the first part of the week was the bad part. That was against the Twins. Uh, This year on the Twins, we finished 6-13 against them with a run differential, or well, we were outscored 65-125 to in 19 games. So to be quite frank, see what I did there, I am tired of talking about us getting beaten by the Twins. So for those three games, I will only be mentioning positive things that happened for the White Sox and erasing the negatives from my mind. So without further ado, let's get started. Monday, uh, we lost the game 3-5 to five to the Twins, but Yoan Moncada had two hits, one of which was a double. Eloy and G- uh, Jimmy McCann had home runs, and Jace Fry, Jimmy Cordero, and Kelvin Herrera had uh, two innings pitched over the game out of the bullpen with no earned runs. So moving on to Tuesday. We lost 8-9, to nine, but we tied it at 5-5 to five into the 6th after falling behind 5-0, uh, thanks in large part to a James McCann RBI sink, a Zach Collins and Adam Angle home runs, and Tim Anderson with another home run in the 11th. Uh, you know, we went up 2 in the 12th with a Ryan Cordell home run, and as I said, we lost 8-9, so I'm not going to describe what took place after that home run. Wednesday, we won 3-1, to one, so this was a great game. We kind of used an opener, which I guess is a positive. 
Uh, Ivan Nova came in, pitched one inning, and then was followed up by Jace Fry and Carson Fulmer, who went three scoreless combined with no hits. Uh, Aaron Bummer and Evan Marshall came out of the pen later in the game, and Colome shut it down to close it out. In terms of our offense, we had an RBI single from Eloy, a Moncada double, and a Zach Collins third of the year. Thursday, we had an off day, so positives, we did not lose. A great way to get into the weekend. And that's when we go to Detroit, where we put a hurting on the, the fighting felines out there in the Motor City. Uh, Friday, 10-1 win. Cease looked pretty pretty damn good. Uh, six innings, five hits, one earned, and eight strikeouts. His ERA is now down to a blistering 579. Uh, so yeah, that's that that was interestingly enough the lowest of any Sox pitcher that appeared in that game. That's a little bit of a yikes moment, but anyways, our offense was fantastic. Zach Collins had an RBI double in the second. Yoan Moncada hit a home run. Yolmer hit a double and Eloy hit a grand slam. So just overall great game. Which then went in the game that I attended Saturday, which I gotta believe my was a large part of that win. Uh, so how did that one go down? It was a quiet game through the first 4-0-0, and then in the fifth, we got an explosion of sorts. Tim Anderson hit a home run that I got a beautiful view of. No bat flip, but a nice little, you know, bat drop and watch. Uh, Moncada then had a two-RBI triple. The Tigers were able to get two back, but Abreu was able to seal the game with a two-RBI single in the eighth to get us uh, five runs, and that held. Uh, Sunday. Uh, this game I was listening to on the radio on the drive back from Detroit. First half on the uh, Tigers broadcast, second half, uh, Andy uh, DJ on the Sox one. But uh, I found it interesting on the Tigers broadcast, they kept talking about, like, you know, this White Sox offense, they're, they're not very good against everybody else in baseball. They're right near the bottom like us. But whenever they play us, they seem to figure it out. So uh, I took a lot of a uh, <laughs> – it's pretty funny listening to that exchange. But anyways – Got off to a pretty good start in this one with another Eloy home run, his 30th of the season. He is the third White Sox rookie to hit 30 home runs following Ron Kittle and Jose Abreu. And then after that, the wheels fell off. I know I said I was only going to talk about the positives, but I'd be remiss if I did not miss Gordon Beckham hitting a home run in that game. Uh, we were able to get one more run on a Wellington Castillo RBI uh, hit in the fifth, but ultimately couldn't get it done. Ronaldo Lopez was a large part of that not done. He went four. Uh, gave up five earned with only three strikeouts. And in one of the more bizarre sequences of the season, uh, so Ricky Renteria a couple weeks ago had uh, rotator cuff surgery. So he hasn't been actually going out to the mound in visits. Uh, today, he took it upon himself to go out to the mound in a sling to give uh, uh, Ronaldo Lopez a talking to. And by that, I mean he literally he basically yelled at him for 15 seconds. And you, you could kind of see from his lips, uh, he was saying, like, it's time to wake up. Uh, they talked to him after the game, and he was kind of saying, like, you know, I kind of got tipped off early because he was throwing 91, and the guy can hit 98. So he's like, something was going on there. So And then he got it up later, so he's like, well, I knew he wasn't hurt. So basically called out Ronaldo Lopez in front of the media saying he he didn't think he was focused and ready to do his job that day. And basically, you know, he said he talked to him and said, you know, we're going into a big season next year. you gotta fig- you got to figure out if you want to be part of this or not. So kind of a weird exchange, but... Uh, I got to be with Ricky on that one. It, I guess it's hard to trudge through a, you know, another losing season, but if you're fighting for a roster spot like Ronaldo Lopez, you got uh, But in any event, enough negatives. Like I said, we went 3-3, three and three, a very meh week, which at this point in the season, all good. Yeah, question. Uh, is Tim Anderson going to qualify for the, the batting title? Uh, he, is as of right, he is as of right now. I, 
I know as of earlier this week, he needed like 27 plate appearances over the last 12 games to get it. So unless they start resting him or he gets hurt, which, yeah, it's, that's about one of the few positive things we got going scale. But he's he, he keeps hitting. I he, I mean, DJ LeMahieu gets, get, keeps getting closer, but Tim Anderson right now is leading all of baseball. As long as he doesn't get cold, I think he'll pull it off. Yeah, uh, and I like the good vibes only approach. Unfortunately, if I did a good vibes only approach to my weekly recap, it would be done in about a minute. So I'm not going to do that. And this is actually probably the most important week for the Cubs all season. And they completely bombed in just the most embarrassing fashion. So let's get into it. Uh, Went one and six on the week in a week in which they probably needed to win five or six, so came up short there, um, leaving them with an 82-74 and 74 record. So Monday, the lone win against the Cincinnati Reds was an 8-2 win. Hamels was bad, but the bullpen was good. It didn't matter. Schwarber with three RBIs. Hamels only went three and a third, had five walks and runs, so not a lot of runs, but the walks were a problem. Thus, the pitch count was high, so uh, he was pulled, but didn't matter. The offense came to play, and it was the only time they came to play. Um, against the uh, Reds this week. Tuesday, a 4-2 to loss. Hugh Darvish went 7 innings pitched, 4 earned, and 13 Ks. But Sonny Gray was better. Didn't have as many strikeouts, but uh, just kept mowing the Cubs down. I think they only had like 3 or 4 hits, and two of them were from Schwarber. So it was a sad showing there. And in a game in which every single team that was also in the playoff race lost, so that would have been nice to pick up a game there. Didn't happen. Uh, Wednesday, a 3-2 loss in 10 innings. John Lester went 5 and only gave up 1, but again, the offense is dead. It was 2-2 two two going into the 10th inning when the Cubs gave up a sack fly run. Game over. Um, so the next four games, St. Louis is in town, and at this point, they are 3 back of St. Louis, so they could seriously... Um, make a huge push for the division if they win three or especially four of these games. Instead, they won none of them. Um, The Cubs were undefeated at home against the Cardinals this season, and uh, this weekend they were completely defeated. But anyway, uh, Thursday, a 5-4 loss. Uh, Jack Flaherty was lights out. Uh, He went eight innings, only gave up one run, I think like two or three hits. Um, He was going up against Kyle Hendricks, who had an okay game, uh, five and a third, four earned, not great. But the Cubs were um, down 4-1 to one in the ninth inning when Carlos Martinez came to close out the game and did not do very well doing so. So the Cubs were able to uh, bring it back uh, and tie the game in the ninth, which is super exciting. Nico Horner with the big hit. He's on second base, and I knew the second he got there that if the Cubs did not win this game right now, they weren't going to win. When it actually and I just didn't trust the bullpen. And sure as hell, Craig Kimbrell comes in and gives up. Um, it was a, another sack fly situation. But in any case, uh, Cubs go down, um, and it's a pretty bad trend losing that first game. It only uh, got worse. Friday was a 2-1 loss. Alec Mills looked great um, starting, getting the, the, the rare start. Uh, four and two-thirds innings only, though, because they must have had him on some sort of a pitch count. No earned runs. Uh, the offense literally just did not come to play. The only time they scored was on a throwing error. So uh, 2-1 loss there. So that puts them at a lovely 5 back. Saturday was actually a very exciting game. It was a 9-8 loss. Very back and forth. Uh, Quintana was not great. Uh, only 3 and a third. Gave up 5. But the offense came to play. Uh, the win was 
was howling out, so it was a handful of home runs. So Tony Kemp in the eighth inning, it's the two-run homer to put the Cubs ahead. And here comes your ex very expensive closer in the ninth, only to give up the lead in back-to-back -back homers on two pitches. Uh, first uh, pitch home run to Yadier Molina, not a Hall of Famer. And first pitch home run to Paul DeYoung, ISU Redbird, maybe a Hall of Famer, depending on how his career goes. But in any case, a 9-8 loss in another ninth inning uh ninth inning affair, which is uh, not what you like to see. So now the Cubs are down six. Sunday, chance to maybe crawl to some life a little bit, claw to some life a little bit. No, a 3-2 loss. Yu Darvish was phenomenal again. Eight and a third. Three earned, 12 Ks. Um, those Two of those three earned were in the ninth inning, which is why um, Joe finally pulled him. People were wondering why he was still in there for the ninth for the complete game, but I was totally behind it. It was a, um, it was a good spot to be, but uh, in the um, in that inning, Martinez comes up and hits a uh, pretty catchable ball to center field, and Albert Amora comes in first, misplays it, dives, doesn't make the catch. So the leadoff triple is what led to um, them losing this game. So um, in any case, a one in six week for the now. Uh, that's where we're at right now, Cubs. Unless something crazy happens, which I don't see it happening, and we'll definitely talk about this in Big Story Talk, um, will not be making the playoffs, and it's tough, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think for me, one of the big things there, I, especially just, I, obviously the big thing is just Craig Kimbrell, your expensive shiny new toy you got midseason just absolutely imploding this week. I'm curious how that's going to affect free agency moving forward, because obviously, I don't know how correlated it is, but it's not going to be lost to people that he got blown up like this after sitting up. I, I don't know how that's going to affect things moving forward, but that could be an interesting ring. Players where we once thought might be taking that route more often, I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, Kimbrell's ERA was like in the mid-sixes after this week, and that's just not what you pay crazy money for. He's still young. They still they have him locked up for a couple of years, so he better get his act together. It'll be a big old waste of money. It's not like the Cubs are averse to wasting money on relief. Just how you doing, Brandon Morrow? But uh, in any case, um, yeah, it was a tough week. I don't. I'm gonna wait to do the big story after you do a big story because all this this Cubs negativity all at once is, is is too much to handle. But anyway, so what is the uh, White Sox big story this week? Yeah. So first, I'm gonna preface this with a little update on the Triple Crown Tracker, as I dubbed it last week. As we end play today on Sunday. Uh, Tim Anderson, as I said, is still leading the batting race. Uh, he is hitting at 334 right now. DJ LeMayhew is in second at 329. And, like, out of nowhere, in third is Yoan Moncada at 316. He is, he's hit, hitting 442 in September, absolutely on fire, and now is closing in on the batting. That's going to be a hell of a race down the wire, but uh, if we get two of the top three guys there, I will certainly take it. Uh, and then in RBIs, Abreu is still leading that category in the AL by a sizable margin. He's at 121, uh, which now I believe puts him top 10 in White Sox history for single seasons. He's trailed by 9 at 112 by Rafael De Jorge Soler and then Xander Bogarts at 110. So unless he gets outribbied by 10 in a week, he's going to win that. So that should be locked up. But moving to the real big story, it's got to be uh, Lucas Giolito getting shut down for the season with a mild lat strain, which... The team has stressed is not anything serious, and it's probably one of those things where if the season wasn't going to be, he would still be pitching. But in an abundance of caution, and I don't know, for me, whenever I hear the word lat, I just think of Jake Peavy blowing that out like right after we traded for him. So 
kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies, but I'll believe him on this one, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you know, Lucas, it's a shame he got shut down, but he had a hell of a season. He finishes up at 14-9 and nine, uh, with a 341 ERA, uh, 228 strikeouts, a whip a little bit over one, and he's right now, you know, in terms of strikeouts per nine, he's sixth in Major League Baseball. And he's got three complete games, which is tied for the lead, two shutouts, which is tied for the lead, and has a 5-8 uh, B war, which is ninth for all pitchers in baseball. A uh, big turnaround from his negative 1.3 war in 2018. So, you know, I've talked about him a bunch this season, and it, we can't really be overstated how important his development and for the rebuild as a whole. Going into this year, it was like, is he even going to stick around at him? And now he's our ace, so... Yep, it sucks he got shut down. I would have liked to see him one more time this week in person, but it is what it is. Don't want him getting hurt. Uh, so, you know, this is, I guess, uh, putting the icing on the cake of a fantastic season by number 27. Uh, perfect episode for this story, Lucas Giolito. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to see, but it's a smart call. You don't, I mean, there's there's literally no reason to, if there's any doubt that he's 100%, there's no reason to put him out there for the last game of the year. So, I mean, you got to finally give the White Sox credit for doing something right with one of their prospects. Oh, and not to mention Dylan Covey was also shut down for the season, so that is the other big story. I mean, I'm just glad to see that he's back up, but uh, it's, it's it's hard to see uh, him a little dinged up next year. He'll be he'll be back. Don't worry. I'm, oh, I'm excited for his return. That that is a big story for my eyeballs <laughs> that they know. Wonderful. Okay, so obviously Cubs big story. Let's just we're gonna start um, just looking at the standings right now because they currently do not have the little e next to their name for eliminated. So. Uh, Scenario-wise, um, they are currently now seven games back of St. Louis Cardinals. They're, they can't, well, they technically could still win the division, but um, because I believe they have seven games left, or at least to force the tie of the, the second game, 163 in a row, they would have to win out and the Cardinals would have to lose out. Don't see that happening. Um, they are currently also four back of the Milwaukee Brewers for the last wildcard spot. Milwaukee Brewers are absolutely on fire. Um... They've won four in a row, but they're eight of their last ten. Uh, the Cubs have lost six in a row now, so that's why they got so much far behind the Brewers without Christian Young, which is uh, impressive. But in any case, uh, they need a lot of help. Milwaukee has a – I think they play like uh, Colorado coming up and another non-playoff team. So it's uh, looking pretty favorable for their schedule as well. So then you look at the Nationals um, and their, let's see, wild card wins. Give me a second. Um, well, I mean, the Nationals are in a, a half a game ahead of, of uh, theirs, I want to say. So uh, or they're pretty much tied. So and it, you live or die by Washington or the Brewers having a really bad week in the Cubs sweeping the week. So they're step, definitely still in it, but I just I don't, I don't see it with this team. Um, so it's time to play the blind game. Uh, Many are blaming Joe Madden, saying it's time for him to go. Many are blaming Theo Epstein for and Joe Weir putting this team out there. No one seems to be blaming the players, which I think is the biggest problem here. You have all this talent, and they're just not producing. Obviously, we see these games where they score one run, two runs. Today, they scored two runs. I mean, there was, let's see how many games this week. One, two, three, four games of the seven in which they didn't put up three runs. You're not going to win baseball doing that. And there's no man in the world that's going to change that. Um, I had a tweet earlier this week that said that if you think that David Ross or Joe Girardi can get more out of this team than Joe Madden did, you're an absolute clown, and I stand by that. Um, this is the players' fault. I've been saying it for these last couple of weeks, but it's been present uh, for most of the year, that the um, 
the attitude once once they give up any lead, let alone like a big lead, but any lead is, oh, look, we've lost this game. I guess we got to come back and get it next time. And that's just a shit attitude that winning teams don't have. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries, Javi and Rizzo, and now Bryant. Bryant hurt his ankle today, too. So uh, those three have been dinged up. Um, they've been able to come back quicker than usual. Javi had a an at-bat or two and was pinch running, and Rizzo came back not, not at 100%. He's obviously hobbling around. Um, but just not enough. And the injuries aren't the excuse. I think it's, it's the attitudes of the players. And it's a shame because this is a, a team that should be um, contending for a World Series and they're not even going to have a chance to make the playoffs. So that is my very uh, monotonous uh, meatball rant, I guess you can say, this week. But I just, yeah, I'm blaming the players on this one. And if Joe Madden doesn't come back, I can totally see them doing it. I think it's a big mistake because this is not his fault. No, I completely agree with you on that. So I'm going to go with two points. First and foremost... I'm just going to stop right here and take some of the blame for this because last week I did go on record as declaring the Milwaukee Brewers dead where they sat, uh, and I was clearly wrong. And, you know, that one's on me, so I'll take full. On the other hand, I completely agree with you. I think firing, or not firing, uh, not bringing back Joe Madden would be a big mistake because, one, nobody you're going to get is better unless somebody crazy becomes available. And I, I think for me, as an outsider in this whole thing, as a Sox fan, listening to talk radio, reading about stuff on Twitter, online. All I've heard for the last two years is how much of a disaster the Cubs have been. And they got to the playoffs last year and were within a week and having a fighter's chance of it this week. And I think to, like that's a credit to Joe Madden. Like, the play, like there's been a ton of underperformance and lack of development, which really doesn't fall on the manager. And in terms of bullpen management, he's given... Like, he's using the $45 million closer the front office gave him. So I don't know what you want him to do. I, even at, like as a Sox fan, as somebody that's like, oh man, look at like you know Rome's imploding from within. I, it's just firing him. I mean, it's not addressing the problem, and I think you're right. It's it's more on the players. This the lack of development, guys not really getting any higher than they got in 2016, and you know at this point a lack of focus. It, it's sad to see. I think I don't know. I, I don't really know how you fix it though, because you blow up the young core that still has time to develop, or do you? fire the manager and then potentially risk getting somebody worse or losing the clubhouse because he has support. I don't know. It's a tough situation and I'm interested to see uh, how it works out next year. Another thought could be, is this just kind of like the kick in the ass they needed to get going next year? I don't know. It's a, it's a weird situation that I didn't see coming, but here we are. Yeah, we're in the middle of the Midwest. So, I mean, I guess we don't hear it, but I haven't heard any talk of this same situation going on in Boston literally a year after they won the World Series. Um, first of all, the World Series hangover is a thing, so that's that explains why Boston is playing the way they're playing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't hear this talk about what's going on in Boston, but, I mean, that's just a little side note. But you're absolutely right. Like, especially with the Kimbrel thing, like, yeah, who is he, is he not going to put in Kimbrel when they have a one-run lead in the ninth or in the tenth, whatever? What, you have what, to put yeah. him in there because that's what, I mean, Theo made that decision for you before it even happened. I had those fans in the stand saying, why didn't they put in Strope? It's like it's easy to say that after he gives up two home runs, and Strope has a 5.8 ERA. So, no, why would you put in Strope? Yeah. You know, it's just, like, it, I mean, it was just you, a mess. You can only do what you're given. And, like, I guess today, to that point, like, leaving in you Darvish was the right call. because what the hell are you loser that can't hold a lead? Like, no, it's, I don't know, it's... I just, I think there's, there's a lot of blame to go around, and Joe Madden is the least of the problem. I mean... And I think, you know, part of it, too, if you look at the front office, like, this is kind of what happened in Boston with Theo. He he took that team, he built it up to a winner, and then he couldn't really sustain that, and things just blew apart quickly. So 
I'm interested to see what happens moving forward. I I don't and like I said, I don't really know how you think. Yeah, and I've heard people calling for Theo to be gone too, and Jed to be gone, and I'm like, the same argument I always have is if you don't have anybody better, then don't fire the guys you have, and there's not many better than this duo in baseball. Dave Dombrowski is available because the Red Sox fired him, but I mean, I think that's a half step down, maybe a quarter step down from Theo Epstein, even though Dombrowski was able to get Theo's team pretty much to the finish line. So, um... Dombrowski is Theo White. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to go in there. He's going to, I mean, he's going to be worse than Theo. He's going to go in there, bloat the payroll to get you a winning team, but then, like, you, what, what's left after that? I don't know. That's what Yeah, I, I mean, then you have Hanley Ramirez, like, eating $23 million a year and not playing, you know, not playing 80 games. Like, that's what you ha- That's what you end up yep. with, with Dombrowski. Yeah. Yeah, you, you'll win, you might win one if you get lucky, but yeah, there's. I mean, look what happened with the Red Sox now. A year after they're one of the best teams of all time, they're. I mean, to be fair, they're still going to have a winning season, but they're relatively in shambles, and there's like no farm system because they traded the whole damn thing away. Yeah, so they went full win now mode, and now they're paying for it. When the again, it's the players' fault. Like no one ever yeah. blames the players because the players are just like on a pedestal, which is ridiculous. Yep, it's like they're the ones who have to hit pitch and run. You know, just what it is, but. uh Anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm at the point, and it's sad, but I don't really care. I'm not, I'm not, not super upset. Um, I'm not one of those fans that needed a ton of World Series. Like, I feel like I, I got the one. I'm super happy about. It. I would like more, but if the Cubs have not won one yet, and this was happening, could you imagine the chaos? Oh, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's the thing. Even still, people are like, this core should have won multiple World Series, but like. That's not really a thing that happens unless you're like the even year Giants or the, the I don't even I mean what else is there the Red Sox five years apart it's yeah if they hadn't won one this would be way worse and yeah I, it's 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 a weird situation I don't think anybody really expected yeah if, if you're really super pissed that the Cubs aren't winning this the World Series every year I pretty much consider you a bandwagoner and you probably own a David Ross jersey because um, think about it like most fans had gone most all fans unless you were 110 years old went their entire lives without a world series and they finally got one and they're like i'm good you know and then but there were were people who just jumped on the cubs bandwagon 20 late 2014 when they got they got jake in 2013 but i mean when when jake started to become a good uh, a good starter and that's when they joined the bandwagon was when the team was good so then when the team's not good it's not what they're used to you know what i'm saying so that's why I, I, I think you're kind of a bogus fan if you're getting super mad um, and, and calling for jobs and this and that when Joe Madden, I mean, there's there's no better manager. And this is a, a, a sub-meatball rant here, but I'm going to be really mad in 10 years when Joe Madden's not the manager, whether it be after this next contract that he signs or could be, you know, next week. Who knows? But in 10 years, everyone's going to talk about how great Joe Madden was, and mm-hmm. most of those people are going to be the ones that were calling for his head after four playoff appearances in five years. That's Honestly, crazy to me. No, that's, I think that's an excellent point. And I, something I was thinking about over this weekend is if Joe hadn't almost, I don't want to say lost him, but if he hadn't almost messed up the World Series with some of those bullpen decisions, how differently would he be viewed right now? Because I honestly think that people are still soured on him because of those like two games, which yeah. again is another situation where he brings in, or like what, he brought in Chapman and like, oh, the, the freaking closer they went out and got you by trading away your top prospect like what are you gonna do so i don't know i think yeah i'm i agree with you 1000 uh moving on from joe madden is a terrible mistake 
and it's not going to address any of the Yeah, so we'll leave it at that. Um, let's do uh, Player of the Week, Pat. So who was the White Sox Player of the Week? So this week for me, I kind of foreshadowed this a little bit. It's the guy that has played himself into the batting title race, and that's Yoan Moncada. I mean, you know, he's the best player on the team, and he had the best week. Nothing, uh, no easier decision. Last seven days, he hit 481. Uh, he had a 500 on base percentage and a 778 slugging. One homer, a triple, a, uh, a couple doubles, 13 hits and five RBs. He had a hell of a week. I mean, it's really capping off an incredible season. And the fact that now he's like third in the AL in batting average with a 316 batting average is ridiculous. Like he, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere because he was hovering right around 300. And then I looked at the the stat line today, and it's like, Christ, like where did this come from? And like I mentioned uh, earlier, it's fueled by that 442 September with it. I mean, this stat's ridiculous than anything. A 552 batting average on balls in play. So he is just absolutely smoking right now. Um, and yeah, I think there's there's no better player on the White Sox. So and he had the best week. So that's a pretty. Yeah, I mean, Mankata is tearing it up, and that's so good to see. Like right at the end, because then he is your he is your best player. Yep. I think um, Anderson's great, but he's not an all-around player like Mankata mm-hmm. is. Um, so. Him getting hot, and then you, you kind of look, it gets the fans so excited for the start of next year. Like, Makata's going to be on billboards all over, you know, south yep. side. It's going to be exciting. Um, so I'm happy for him, too, because I, I like you on Makata. Um, so I was going to go full-on three weeks ago, Pat, and <laughs> have no player of the week, which we then retroactively put Nico Horner as the White Sox player of the week for episode, I believe it was 24. And you I can name Nomar Sanchez your player. And I don't think he's got I, one I, I, I totally would, but... Um, as you were doing yours, I was like, I was looking back at the stats from the week. I was like, I have to give this guy the credit. Um, I think this is the first time also that the Cubs player of the week was a pitcher that went 0-2 on the week, but here we are. Uh, Hugh Darvish went 0-2, and it has nothing to do with the way he played, obviously, because, you know, wins and losses for a starting pitcher are not usually decided by the pitcher themselves. It's the offense around him, and the offense around him did not show up. But Yu Darvish went 0-2. He went uh, 8 and a third today, and he went 7 uh, against the Reds on Tuesday. So um, was going deep into games and had 25 strikeouts in two games, which is absolutely bananas. And the fact that he went 0-2 while also striking out 25 is just a testament to how disappointing this offense has been. But in any case, this guy is your ace. He should be your opening day starter, and he's finally panned out. Um, with this contract, and if <laughs> I still hear people talking shit about this guy, and it's unbelievable. Uh, but the what was exciting was the U chance that we're going on after every inning. We're getting louder and louder and louder. And from a guy who really does take um, take a lot of stock in how the crowd reacts to his play, uh, that's good to see that the at least the fans that are attending the games are getting behind him when he's literally just shutting down guy after guy, making making guys look silly with that with that two strike slider that he threw to Miles Michaelis who had just could not do anything with it. Obviously, it's pitcher batting, but still it was pretty hilarious to see. So you Darvish, Cubs player of... No, I mean, I think that's a no-brainer right there, and I think I, that's why you signed the guy. That's why you paid him all that. When he's on, he's got absolutely filthy electric stuff. And, like, I think, you know, we probably won't get to fi- find out what would have happened, but I've said, I think I've said on here a couple times, if he, the Cubs get to the playoffs, he's my game one starter. Like, I think just he, I mean, yeah, obviously last year it still gives you maybe like the yips of what's going to happen, but yeah, he's he's got the best stuff on that entire pitching staff, and yeah, I mean, no offense, can't get picked up. Personally, I think pitching wins are the most important stat, and I guess we can agree to this. Yeah, so, like, if the Cubs do scratch into this wild card game, they'll probably play the Nationals 
or just depending on how it shakes out. But if you look at this team, it's not a team that's going to win a World Series just the way they've been playing. I guess this is the prove-me-wrong situation. But what it can be used for if they make this game is a way to get you, Darvish, used to pitching in high-leverage playoff mm -hmm. situations. And if it blows up, it blows up. But at least you had a shot. So I think that would be the most important thing is if if, uh, if the Cubs do find a way and get really, really lucky to get this game. I want to I want to throw you, Darvish, in this game um, in the, in the one-game playoff, knowing damn well that this team's not going to win a World Series, but to prepare him for possibly next year okay uh, in the playoffs pitching. That's the kind of way I'm looking at it. But a lot needs to happen for that to happen, so we'll have to move on. Um, obviously, we're going to transfer over to our favorite segment of the week, the LinkedIn Player Profile. I think you guys know by now that the LinkedIn Player Profile is where we look into the careers of the old Cub and old White Sox. Using LinkedIn as a primary source, we see what they're up to. Uh, hopefully it'll invoke some fun memories of some of our favorite players. So, Pat, we're going to start with you today. Who is the White Sox LinkedIn player profile this week? So, interestingly enough, I have already mentioned this guy on this episode. Uh, my Carl LinkedIn, Everett? Yep, we're bringing him back out here. There's so much more to talk about. Uh, no, but he had two stints with the team, so technically I can do him twice. Uh, but on the real, uh, I'm going with Jeff Blum, World Series hero in deadline acquisition in five. Uh, where is he from? He is from Redwood City, California. Uh, built strong like those trees. Played his college ball at California and was drafted by the Expos in the seventh round of the 94 draft. Uh, from there, worked his way up to the majors in 99. Uh, traded to Houston in 02 and then was traded to Tampa in 03. Uh, played there for a couple years and signed with the Padres for 05. At the deadline in 05, July 31st, back when two uh, He was traded for, this is verbatim from Wikipedia, a minor leaguer. Uh, it was it was Ryan Mio. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. M e a u x. Meow. Meow. Yeah. Frenchman. Uh, <laughs> kind of a weird pronunciation, but went over to the White Sox. Unspectacular regular season. In 31 games, hit 200, one home run, three RBIs. Uh, in the postseason, he had one appearance in the ALDS. Didn't do anything. No appearances in the ALCS. And that takes us to Game Three of the World Series, where obviously. Uh, his only at bat in the World Series hit the game-winning homer in the 14th to give the Sox a 7-5 lead they would not give up because they had shut down closer Mark Burley, who was like four beers deep at that point, coming in to save the game. Uh, it was the longest at the time, the world, longest World Series game ever at 5 hours and 14 innings, uh, and Jeff Blum was the hero. So how did the White Sox reward him after saving their... Uh, they let him go when he went to the Padres in 06, went back to Houston from 08 to 2010, and then Arizona to close out his career in 2011 and 12. Uh, the final line on Jeff Blum's career in unspectacular 250 batting average, 310 OBP, 99 home runs, which sucks, uh, 479 <laughs> RBIs, and 990 hits, which also 2,000, uh, but over an impressive 14 years. So that's a hell of a long time to be. What has he been doing since he, uh, he was in the major? Uh, in kind of, you know, the ultimate slap to the Astros organization, he is now their color commentator. Uh, he's been working there since retiring in 2013. His LinkedIn, honestly, is not that robust. He is a apparently a sports professional, and he is an about section. I am a 14-year veteran of MLB. I'm currently enjoying a career on the media side of sports. I have experience for broadcasting for television and have done talk radio in San Diego. Uh, so yeah, his experience, he's a TV broadcaster now. He also apparently did the uh, the Pac-12 network, so you know he gets he gets around a little bit. Did the Diamondbacks for a, a month, literally one month, September 2012. Uh, maybe that was a little like end of the season thing, but yeah, that is 
Jeff Blum. Oh, actually, it's one thing I've, I'd be remiss if I did not. Uh, in the education section, well, University of California at Berkeley, the caption, not graduated, comma, sociology. So at least he's honest. I'll give him that much. Uh, so there you have it, folks. World Series hero, Jeff Blum. That's great. Um, so Jeff Blum announcing sports. I also had a sports announcer for mine. So Ooh. this uh, and now sports announcer. So we uh, were connected mentally in this regard. Um, so in 2003, the Cubs rotation, many could name three and maybe even four of the pitchers. Actually, Pat, I'm going to ask you that. Can you name the Cubs rotation in 2003 possibly? So this is the 03. This is the NLCS team. That would have been obviously Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Clement was correct. Yep, that's the third starter. Um, You're doing very well so far, by the way. Maddox wasn't on that team. He was still in Atlanta, right? No, 2004 was when he came over from Atlanta. Gotcha, that's what I thought. Um, ugh, that's all I got. I can't think of anybody that's else. That's okay. That's really impressive. I, I didn't think you'd remember Clement. Um, number four, Carlos Zambrano. He was very Oh, young. geez, yeah, of um, course. And number five, this week's LinkedIn Player Profile of the Week, Sean Estes. Not many people remember him, but uh, he was a very important part because you need that fifth starter, at least for the regular season. Um, so, Sean Estes played ball from 95 to 2008. He had a pretty long career uh, with a win-loss record of 101, which doesn't suck because he got to 100 wins and 93. ERA of 471 and 1,210 strikeouts, so also doesn't suck because uh, he got over a thousand strikeouts. Um, he's from San Bernardino, California. Maybe he, uh, I don't, I don't really know the geography of California, but maybe he uh, knew of Jeff Blum. Who knows? We can only um, hope. But any, we could only hope. Um, but in any case, he uh, SC's attended Douglas High School in Nevada. So, um, and then he was named Gatorade's Nevada State Baseball Player of the Year because he finished with a .79 ERA with 141 strikeouts in 61 innings. Um, and then at the plate, he hit 400, 400 or 488 with eight home runs. So he was... And he, and he had a great... or a decently good MLB career, but it always makes me think of, like... Think of, like, the worst baseball player ever. Who knows? You know, like, worst White Sox, worst, worst Cub ever. And they were studs in high school. Oh, yeah. Right? Because they, they, they made it to the majors. So this is... Uh, I mean, obviously, Sean Estes was, is pretty good, but, yeah, those situations are always pretty funny. Uh, but in any case, he played for the Giants, the Mets, the Reds, the Cubs only in 2003 as that fifth starter, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, uh, and then the Padres in 2006 and in 2008. I believe he was hurt in 2007, so that explains that year off. Um, he was an all-star in 1997 with the San Francisco Giants, and he is on the San Francisco Giants Wall of Fame, which is actually pretty cool. Um Let's see. He is uh, has four kids and lives in Arizona now. But what is he doing now after that uh, lovely, pretty long career for a starting pitcher? Um, he is the NBC Sports Bay Area analyst, mostly working with the San Francisco Giants. Um, and let's go to his LinkedIn. His interests are, there's only three of them. Uh, one of them is Bill Gates. That's an interest. Um, the second is Randy Kessler, a family law attorney, and the third is Run Buggy. <laughs> Run Buggy, which I don't know what that is, but it has 264 I, followers. I have no idea what this guy's. There are a lot of different ways you could go with those three things, those three pieces of. Yeah, I mean, he's he's about bettering himself, but also making sure that prenups are signed. I guess I don't know. Um, he actually 
has a lot of uh, skills and endorsements. There's got to be 20 of them here. Most of them are sports related. Um, and lots of endorsements. Let's see. The highest endorsement, of course, is sports, which only four of his MLB Major League Baseball uh, colleagues endorsed him and everybody else was not playing baseball, at least for his 500-plus LinkedIn connections. Um, but in any case, he has the 15-year career in Major League Baseball as a job experience and the San Francisco Giants analyst for the last eight years. Um, he works sometimes in the booth when, uh, I think it's Dwayne Kuyper, and then Kruko is the guy that's with him, sometimes uh, skips out for a couple innings, uh, much like uh, Pat Hughes does with the Cubs, and, and Estes comes in. But in any case, a very fun part of a, a pretty fun year for the Chicago Cubs in 2003. We're not going to call it the Bartman year. And the the much forgotten um, fifth starter in that very, uh, at least on paper, dominant rotation. So that is why Sean Estes LinkedIn player profile this week. Always good to hear back some of those forgotten heroes of yes. Um, and I think to your point, instead of the, the Bartman year, let's just go ahead and call it the Randall Sithair with some that. Even though I'm he didn't... Even though he didn't kill the sausage when he was on the Cubs, you know, I think it kind of... Trans- I think that was the grit that Dusty Baker was looking for when we brought him over. That's it. Yeah. I think you need that. It, yeah, exactly. That's what That's what it's all about. It's, you know, taking that passion into all aspects of the game, even the promotional activities going on. Definitely. So before we, uh, we conclude, I just have a bit of a story from this weekend. We have um, Cardinals in town. Obviously, they won all four. But I had so many opportunities to tell Yadi Molina directly to his face that he was not a Hall of Famer. Um, and I, I was standing right next to him, but then I saw the neck tattoos, and I was like, you just don't insult people with neck tattoos. Honestly, <laughs> but, uh, I was going to say, of all ahead. the players in baseball, I think if there is anybody that would like literally assault a, a ball boy for saying they're not a Hall of Famer, it would probably be Yadi because he is just, from everything I hear about him, he's just such a goddamn... Like, I remember after the whole Bryant thing where he was clearly just working the crowd at Cub Convention or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. saying, like, who wants to play in St. Louis? And Yachty got, like, all offended and was fired up about it. And it's like, dude, it's banter you say to fans like Christ. Wait, so uh, he was standing at the top of the dugout, and some fan was yelling at him or whatever and, and cussing at him. This guy mm-hmm. was probably drunk or whatever. But Yachty, um, then the security guard came to talk to the guy. And as soon as the security guard told him to stop, then Yachty stands up, turns to him, and says, oh, you're not going to fucking say anything now. You'll get your ass kicked out of the stadium. And the guy goes, fuck you, man. And the guy kicked out of the stadium. And I was like, <laughs> this was like in like the fourth inning. I was like, dude, commit. Yeah, don't let anyone talk to you like that. So, I mean, easy to get under his skin. That's why he's not a Hall of Famer. But I will say, um, I was going around and asking Cardinal fans, like, is, is he a Hall of Famer? And I was being such a, you know, troll and they're like yeah of course he is and i'd be like i mean yeah if he had maybe maybe 240 more home runs to get to 400 and maybe 40 points better in his batting average to get to 300 i'd probably agree with you but uh the unfortunate thing is is that if you let him in you got to let guys with better wars like jason kendall and aj Przinski in and that's just not good right and then they they all kind of like sunk in their seats but then of course yadi hits the home run on saturday to on the first against kimbrell and a couple of those fans sitting by me had a couple of things to say but of course I mean, all in good fun. Well, yeah, man, but, but war, war doesn't measure heart, though. It, it doesn't really measure what he brings to the team and his leadership. Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not what we're looking for. Of course, he will get in, and that's the unfortunate part about it. Yep. But uh, it's not going to stop me from voicing my opinion because I get to do that. So that is the end of Episode 27. One, oh, a week of baseball I certainly would like to forget, but I probably won't. Um, 
In any case, we're going to end this show the way we always do with a question for Pat that he hasn't heard. And I really do like this question because I'm legitimately um, interested in the answer. So, Pat, um, plain and simple, are you happy that the Cubs are not good and not making the playoffs? Um, there's I have two sides. On one hand, I am definitely going to be very happy. Playoff bits happened everywhere. You have people walking around that, you know, never really were that into the Cubs. And now it's all like, oh, man, yeah, playoff. And then they don't come out again until the next September. So I'm gonna. I'm happy I don't have to deal with that. But honestly, the way I've treated the Cubs the last couple postseasons, like if I'm being totally honest, is like it, it's it's like another team. Like I don't really care if the Braves are gonna you know go run the table. And honestly, after the Cubs got the first World Series, that kind of broke the seal for me. So it went from being I hope they don't win to like, well they got one, so now it's kind of the floodgates are open. So. I am happy to not have to deal with the ridiculous bandwagon, which is also why I was happy a couple of years ago when the Blackhawks finally started to fall off, because I no longer had to deal with uh, that whole thing. But I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like uh, there's parts of it I'm happy I don't have to deal with, but on the other hand, like it's just kind of like I-, I try to not be a Cubs hater because I feel like it's a waste of my energy. Um, so it's more just like okay, I guess we'll I guess we'll move on to next year. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have this question posed to me probably within the next two or three years of all it goes to plan with this beautiful house that's being built on the south side well you got um, seven more years until we got the foundation laid so you got a little bit of time there <laughs> yeah so I'll, I'll probably feel the same way no i i've always said i've said on the show a couple times like if i'm going to pick favorite teams white Sox are probably in my top three and it's not like oh i'm a chicago fan because that's stupid obviously yep. but um i do like the white Sox. i like a lot of these players um the players i like the most probably won't be here when they're really good, like like Yilmer. But uh, in any case, um, when they are in the playoffs, I will actively cheer for them. I want them to, to do well. I like, you know, it's better for, for the show's ratings in our in our fourth season of Shoeless Go Podcast, obviously. Oh, yes. um, so I think that's where we differ, though, because, like, I, I don't actively cheer for the Cubs. But, like, for example, in 2016, I remember being at, at around with the game they clinched the NLCS against the Dodgers, and instead of wearing Sox gear, I jo- I wore a Rockies hoodie. You know, I was being neutral. I was a hero. I was being the Switzerland, and I think you know that's kind of where I stand. I'll, I'll watch from a distance, but it's kind of like it's. I just I love watching playoff. So like last year, I went to the wild card game, not because I wanted the Cubs to win or lose, but because. I haven't been able to watch playoff baseball for a long time live, and it was a cool experience. Definitely, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I mean, well, with the Sox game we went to um, a couple weeks ago for, for Dollar Dog Night, and we, we stopped in the uh, stopped in the, the gift shop. Uh, I threw on a White Sox hat. I was like, damn, this look, I, look, I look good in a White Sox hat. I was like, but I can't buy it. So I'm not there yet. I'm not <laughs> buying White Sox hats. Yeah, the only Sox gear I have is the stuff that were the free giveaways at the games. But um, who knows? But in any case, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm okay with the White Sox doing well. Anywho, that is officially the end of episode 27. The way things are going, 28 will probably be the last unless the Cubs make the playoffs. Um, but we, we still have some talking to do about that. In any case, it was a solid episode. Uh, Pat, thank you as always for being a part of this. It's been fun so far. Uh, any last thoughts on the week? You know, I guess I'm interested to see how this last week plays out. It certainly can't be worse for the Cubs uh than this past week and i certainly will be not be mentioning any negatives from it so it's going to be a great week for the white wonderful okay uh you can listen to this podcast at lmbfsports.com spotify and apple music and not itunes and remember everyone yadi molina is not a hall of famer go cubs go white Sox, go baseball
Come on, baby, don't you make me laugh. 